Welcome to our Reach Next Generation podcast. I'm Grace Jeffries and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they've faced throughout their careers, how they became them and what tips they for girls of my age. Today my guest is Victoria Rowland, who is the Early Careers Talent Specialist and founding member and UK lead for Pride at Sage one of the world's leading accountancy software companies, and I'm delighted to say one of our Reach Next Generation sponsors. Thanks for joining me today, Victoria. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Absolutely. So um, I didn't have a traditional path into my career. Uh, but I think it's a common question, isn't it? When, when you're at school, what do you want to be when you're older? Well, Grace, I have to tell you, I, I still don't know what I want to be when I'm older, and I'm already halfway through it. But I actually wanted to be a killer whale trainer. And I very quickly learned that that was not very friendly. You know, when you used to see SeaWorld videos, it looked very appealing. But after learning about the abuse that those poor animals go through, I quickly changed my mind. You'll be pleased to learn. Um, I kind of knew that I always wanted to work with people. I love people. I love being around them. Um, I'm in early careers now. So, of course, I'm going to be to work with some amazing young people like yourself but I didn't actually know that at the time and it was through many years of experimenting with roles I guess I I went through um, actually roles as executive assistant and uh, chief of staff roles for senior leaders in the business so I was really lucky to gain exposure to multiple functions and lots of different um, trades but it was at the end of my career as an EA in 2020 that I quickly established that I almost had a calling for early careers And there's something about getting young people into roles and really breaking down barriers for people um, to really thrive in the workplace. It it appeals to me on so many different levels. Mm -hmm. So here I am three years into role. Uh, This is my third year of recruiting talent. We're immersed in the recruitment season at the moment. And um, it's every bit as as exciting as I thought it would be. Um, Yes, I've definitely found my calling now. Yeah. Well, I know that you did your degree at the Open University. Can you tell us a little bit more about how that works for those who may not have heard of the Open University? Absolutely. I'd be delighted to. And there's a little bit of a backstory which I want to share with you because I do talk about breaking down barriers. And I've kind of done that for myself along my journey. So I went off to university um, at the age you do. And it was very much a red brick university. I was off to study English. Um, and lo and behold, about three weeks later, um, something wasn't right. And I thought, this is, I feel a bit odd. And I actually found out that I was pregnant at the age of just 19. Um, very, um, I guess, uncommon in my family. We've all been down the route of getting married and then having children. But I was in a long-term relationship. Um, and unfortunately, much to mine and my family's dismay and disappointment, I had to leave university um, and decided to have my daughter, Jade, who's now 22, nearly 23. Um, and at the same time, I, I felt like my life was over. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I was very academic. Um, I, I really enjoyed learning. And now I was presented with, I felt, two choices of have a baby and become a mother at a very young age or learn. What I quickly realised was, with the support of my amazing family, was that I could do both. So when Jade was six months, I was working part-time. I obviously had a daughter, but again, a very supportive family. And I discovered the Open University. And they were doing the English literature degree that I wanted to do. I was very passionate about English. You know, I think when we're going back to what I would have wanted to be, I might have wanted to be a journalist, because I'm very much into the written and sort of oral side of the English language. Um, 
But when she was old enough, I was working, studying and being a mum all at the same time, completely exhausted, as you can imagine. Right. Um, And I think that out of all of that, I've learned that you can do anything you set your mind to um, if you really have the, the resilience and the determination to do it. And Open University for me was very much that. I guess, stepping stone between me having the academic gift and actually being able to put it into practice and then finally secure the roles that I wanted. Yeah. So obviously we have all been hit by COVID with things just beginning to feel normal again. But how have you had to deal with the COVID-19 issues both personally and professionally? So I'm going to be quite honest. As I said, my daughter's grown up, so I didn't have the challenges that some people have with having to work from home, perhaps in a small claustrophobic environment with young children running around, as some of my colleagues have. Um, So I actually found it, um, in a way, quite refreshing that I was able to work longer hours without having outside demands like going to get the shopping or going out with friends, which basically sound very unsociable and I'm not. Um, so <laughs> I was a bit more advantaged, I think, than some. Um, and particularly as we were in the bulk of the assessment period, um, for me, my prim- primary concern was making sure that the young people who were coming for the roles at SAGE as apprentices, grads and interns were doing well, you know, and in safe spaces and were feeling nurtured and able to attend these assessment centres from home. SAGE basically took all of our roles and we continued them for grads and apprentices and we turned all of our assessment centres into virtual, which enabled everybody to communicate like we are now through Teams and continue. And we onboarded nearly 100 apprentices and grads in October 2020. So for me, there were real benefits. I, I didn't feel the negative effects and impact as perhaps some might have. But I certainly know people that were seriously um, affected by it, particularly those who were living on their own. Of course. I guess it's been a bit more challenging and easier for different people. Absolutely. Everybody has their own spin on it. Um, I hear some people saying that they they were almost dreading things opening back up because they had so much time to do things and self-study and learn. And now, of course, you have to go back into the big, wide, open world. But I personally am delighted, particularly for the youth of today, that everything is, is opening back up and everybody is back to some sort of normality. Of course. So doing what you do and doing all of the many different things that you do, it must be quite stressful at times. But do you have any hobbies that really help you to relax outside of work? That's a really good question. And um, this is where I sound like a little bit of a geek, I guess. Um, (laughs) I actually discovered video gaming in um, lockdown. So uh, we got we were very privileged to be able to secure a PlayStation 5. And I must say that when I want to immerse myself in complete virtual reality, that's where I go. Um, People say to me, oh, what games do you play? I'm not cool enough to play the sort of Call of Duty that everybody is online with. (laughs) I tend to stick to Lego. I absolutely love Lego games. Um, Lego Harry Potter was my favourite. And I'm currently playing Lego Star Wars. And um, yes, I absolutely love it. So that's my guilty pleasure. Um, Also, I'm a massive foodie. So anything food related, whether it's street food or Michelin stars, you'll find me there. I like to go to openings of new restaurants. I like to try new recipes. So I'm a bit obsessed with food. 
And then, of course, my love for my family. We're very close. Um, we spend a lot of time with each other. And my love for dogs as well. I am dog mad. Um, absolutely love my four-legged friends. I don't have my own, unfortunately, because we live in an apartment. Um, but I do look after some on an app called Borrow My Doggy. And I have one called Baxter and one called Nelson. Um, so it's an absolute delight. And I find that walking the dogs through the forest is a really good way of unwinding after a day at work or learning. Well, I will admit I'm very jealous that you have a place version five. <laughs> it's um, yes, it was one of those things where people were saying to me, "Oh my goodness, how on earth did you get one?" Because they were so sought after, weren't oh, they? Yeah. But my partner is very good with um, sort of online waiting queues and was very very patient. And when he got it, we were absolutely delighted because we were very much still locked down. Um, so we challenged ourselves to Sonic racing a lot <laughs> during COVID. I don't know how good that is for the brain cells, but it certainly worked for me. <laughs> Well, it definitely sounds like a very fun pastime. Indeed. Yeah. So there is a lot of talk about pay equality generally, but how well do you think women are catching up with men's salaries and getting those top jobs, especially maybe in software? Such a good question. Um, obviously, progress is still slow for women yeah. at the top. Um, but it's definitely happening. And if we compare now to five years ago, I think the progress is absolutely fantastic. Um yeah. At Sage, we're really proud that our gender pay gap is less than half of the average in tech. So mm -hmm. Sage really is a great place to work for women in tech. I say this to all of the girls that come through the assessment centres, that if it's a career in tech you want, you're certainly going to be very well looked after at Sage, particularly because of the culture. I mean, even to the point that we care so much about personal issues. We had a menopause awareness event a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about everybody was there, you know, not, not just people that are going through the menopause, but um, male allies, non-binary allies and, and so forth. And we were just talking about the impact it has on people's lives. So when you get events like this that are, I think, momentous in, in the tech industry, it's all a sign of good progression. Um, I personally, and obviously I can say this from a talent acquisition perspective, but I would really encourage girls to look at a career in tech, no matter what their interest I'm not techie. My tech knowledge goes as much as far as uh, Microsoft Teams and that PlayStation 5, trust me. Um, <laughs> but STEM jobs do pay at least 20% more than non-tech jobs on average and are hugely on the increase with, of course, a lack of people ready to do them. So I think that there's so much more to tech roles than coding. Don't let that put you off. Um, and I would just say keep tech in mind as a possible career because it doesn't matter if you've not done coding. There really is a lot of amazing tech jobs that don't require those skills. Of course. So throughout your career, have you had any mentors or have there been anyone that you particularly admire? I've been fortunate enough to work for some very senior, very lovely people throughout my career. Obviously, working as an exec assistant, you're literally the right hand person to CEOs, CFOs and so forth. And I can honestly say, I am not just saying this because they're listening, I can honestly say that I've not worked for anybody that I haven't enjoyed spending time with. Um, in particular, my last boss at Sage, um, a guy called Blair Crump, was the president. And he really helped me to see my value. And I think that because of my background, you know, coming from a place where I almost felt like a failure at university because I hadn't done that professional route as, as my friends were doing, mm. he said to me, but Vic, his exact words, a guy from Connecticut and was very frank. He said, but Vic, look at what you have done. And in comparison to some of the people around you, you've completely excelled. And he always said to me, always set your sights high. 
never aim low, you know, shoot for the stars, basically. And it's honestly because of him that I am so ambitious in my career. And every day I think there's things around me that I think, okay, what would Blair do? And if I'm not messaging him to ask what he would do, then his voice is very much in my head. Yeah. So I read that you also fundraise for cardiac risk in the young. Can you perhaps share the work that the charity does and how come you got involved? Absolutely. And it's a very emotional point, but I've got to the point 20 years on that I can actually talk about it. So when I was 27, my best friend was 22 and she very sadly died unexpectedly, um, very suddenly. And we didn't know why she'd gone off to a a party with her boyfriend and um, we were really confused what had happened to this really healthy girl. Well, it turns out after extensive research done through screening um, facilities and research into her heart that she had something called bland white garland syndrome. And it affects a very small number of people, but it's undetectable until they are hit around 21, 22. So, of course, what went through my mind afterwards was, okay, how can we stop this tragedy happening to other people? So we quickly established with with Sarah's mum, Carol, and her dad, John, who are absolutely lovely people, you know, probably another inspiration of mine, that there was a need for screening units in schools and outside of that, like mobile screening. But we also established that each screening unit cost an absolute fortune to to establish and support. And there was no government funding. Um, Things have progressed on since then, I'm pleased to tell you. But um, I, I weighed up, what can I do as, a, as an individual um, at the age of 27? I've got two big phobias I'm going to share with you now, and I'm sure that other people listening to this will share them. One of which is heights. Oh, yeah. One of which is spiders. Now, I can't even say the word spider without cringing. So if I look a bit funny now, only you, Grace, can see me. Um, <laughs> but I'm very arachnophobic. And I was thinking, what can I do for charity that really is completely selfless? Not something I want to do. So people said, well, you could sit in a bath of spiders or hold a spider at London Zoo. I very quickly eliminated that one. Let me tell you. So I went for the heights. And what I actually did was a skydive at uh, 17,000 feet um, at a place in Kent near where I live. Um, And I jumped out of a plane. And I will honestly say to you that it was the most terrifying thing I've ever done. (laughs) The free falling aspect was was okay because it was quick. But then I had to glide for 14 minutes at 10,000 feet, 9,000 feet. And all I could do was think about how quickly I could return to the ground in one piece. So that was I raised around 30,000 pounds for the charity, which equated to four mobile screening units, um, which were set up in the southeast of London. And I'm I'm confident that the work that Cardiac Risk in the Young has has um, supported other families and made sure nobody else goes through that tragedy so young. Yeah. Wow, jumping a plane must have been really scary. I don't recommend it, Grace. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so what tips would you give girls when they start to think about their own careers and that maybe their own futures? Really good question. I get asked this a lot, particularly because of my early careers background. Um, The tips are normally the same, and it's almost touching upon what my mentor said to me, you know, believe in yourself and you will achieve anything. We talk at stage about breaking down barriers in youth employment. Well, we genuinely mean that. Anything that you see as a hindrance. We have people that come to us um, sort of with with neurodiversity and so forth, and they say, we don't feel that we can excel in this environment. 
So I think that it's the employer's responsibility to help people achieve that. And SAGE is very good at doing that. Um, for girls particularly, as I say, you can do absolutely anything that you set your mind to. Um, there is nothing that, that guys in, in tech can do that you can't, trust me. And as I said earlier, even if you're not strong in STEM subjects and coding, there really is a job in tech for, for everybody. And I think that if you dismiss that myth that you have to be very good at coding, developing and so forth, um, you, you will excel. I can't stress enough that girls in tech or women in tech is really the way forward. Yeah. So finally, as part of our Reach Next Generation Summit, we look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from the black and minority communities. But do you think that we are seeing a more inclusive society since the Black Lives Matter conversation started? Do you know what I think's happened, and it's exactly the right thing, because we're seeing a very strong push for change since since Black Matter, and rightly so. I mean, the UK is a really diverse country, and we need our organisations to be reflective of our customer and community base. And again, it sounds like I'm really blowing the trumpet for Sage, but we do that really well. We actually have a network, so we have lots of colleagues at Seth Networks, and you touched upon the point that I lead UKI Pride at Sage, which is LGBTQ+. Um, but we also have Embrace, which is our race and ethnic minority network that we're very proud of, and a few other um, colleagues at Sess Networks too. Um, SAGE have signed the Race at Work Charter for Better Workplace Inclusion, which I think is really important that everybody gets on board with. And I think as a result of Black Lives Matter, maybe it's coincidental, but I don't think so. Um, just seeing representation, you know, in the media more, even on TV. I don't know about you, Grace, but I've noticed more ethnically diverse people on TV adverts since yeah. the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think that's awesome. I was watching TV the other day. I don't normally watch the adverts, but there was a skincare regime and it really focused on ethnic minorities, which I think is fantastic. Um, yeah. I think, I guess the awareness piece, because the agenda is not under surface anymore. It's really been brought to the forefront and the way it's evolving. It can only be a good thing, right? Yeah. I think as an ally to the LGBTQ plus community and to all of our um, colleagues at SES Networks, people quite often get really mixed up about language to use. And I think that the most important thing is the intention of what you ask and not what you say. You know, you can get things wrong, you can move on and you can apologise. Um, but all the while that people are striving to learn and better themselves and better their knowledge of these issues, I think we're heading towards a really lovely space. Of course. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Victoria. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own careers. Well, keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. More information about us is at reachnextgeneration.com. And thank you to our sponsors, of course, Sage PLC, Haynes Watts, Ideal Standard and Levi Strauss.